Would you pray with me? Gracious and holy God, I pray now that you would pour your Holy Spirit through me, that these words might truly become your living word to your people. And I pray that you would open up each of our hearts and minds that we might receive that word exactly in the place that we need to hear it. For we pray this in the name of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Last week, Derek Davenport preached on Psalm 134, and he talked about the consistent persistence of the people of God throughout Scripture to worship and praise the Lord no matter what their circumstances. And he challenged us to see, as God's people have always seen, that there is no better time to praise and bless the Lord than in times of uncertainty and hardship. Because worship isn't just something we do, it is who we are. So this morning I thought maybe we should spend a little more time in the Psalms, letting them instruct us once again about the meaning and the significance of worship. And one of the things that we discover by becoming people who have learned to bless the Lord in all circumstances is that God is then able to use us to become a blessing to others. You know, growing up in the church was not always an easy thing for me. After all, I was a PK, a preacher's kid, that meant that sometimes there were different expectations for me than for the other kids. People paid more attention to what I said and did, and of course, there were always those people who took extra delight in letting my parents know whenever I misbehaved or did anything wrong or was in a place I wasn't supposed to be. But one of the things I struggled with most as a boy was worship. After all, worship was generally rather, well, boring. We had to sit still for an hour. We sang songs I never heard on the radio. And there was always an old lady around us warbling her heart out. And of course, there was the sermon where I had to listen to my dad ramble on for 20 minutes as if I hadn't already received enough lectures from him throughout the week. So for me, worship was just that thing that I had to get through so that I could get on with my week. You know, make my bed, check. Do my homework, check. Worship God, check. Has anyone else ever felt that way about worship? That it's just something you do so you can check it off for the week and not have to worry about it again until the next Sunday? And is worship just something we do for an hour on Sunday mornings to fulfill some obligation? Or is there more to it than that? Well, in our psalm this morning, I believe that David has a few things to teach us about what worship is all about. Now, first and foremost, worship is about praising God. As the shorter catechism of the Westminster Confession begins, 
What is the chief end of man? To glorify God and enjoy him forever. So the first thing we must say about worship is that we come to glorify God, to proclaim his majesty, to praise his holy name. That's why right at the beginning of the service, we sing hymns of praise like, praise ye the Lord the Almighty. And it's why the first word of this psalm is, bless the Lord, O my soul. Our most fundamental, fundamental act as Christians is to glorify, to praise, to bless the God who created us, who gave us life, who redeemed us in Jesus Christ, and who has called us together to be his people. The starting point of worship for the people of God is to bless the Lord. And we do that through our songs, our prayers, our presence, and our attention as we focus on God and his word rather than on ourselves. Of course, having entered into the presence of the God of holiness and righteousness, we are immediately confronted with the fact that we human beings are not holy and righteous. Quite the opposite, we are swimming in a sea of sinfulness unable to get our lives straight on our own, no matter how hard we try. In fact, as Paul writes in the seventh chapter of Romans, despite our best intentions, we keep doing the very things that we do not want to do because of the sin that dwells within us. And it is this sin and the guilt or self-righteousness that often accompanies it that stand in the way of our relationship with God. But the only way to restore that relationship or any relationship is to tell the truth. Have you ever been in a situation where you did something that you knew was wrong, but you didn't tell your parents or your spouse or your friend about it because you were afraid of how much it would hurt them or how upset they might be. But then that, that secret, it stood like an invisible barrier between you, keeping your relationship fractured because relationships of love and trust can only flourish in an environment of openness and honesty. You know, one time when... I was in high school, I was driving my mom's car, and the car in front of me stopped quickly, and I couldn't brake fast enough, and I hit that car, but not badly, just enough to leave a small dent in the bumper. When I got home, I did not tell my parents because I was too afraid, after all, I had done the same thing once before, but not telling them began to eat me up inside. The guilt was just overwhelming. Eventually, my mom pulled me aside and asked what was going on because she knew something was wrong. I finally told her what had happened and, and said I was sorry. It was like an enormous weight was lifted off me and our relationship was okay again. Notice, my mother had not done anything to affect it. it it was all me and the guilt that I carried, but it was confession, telling the truth, that set me free. 
This is why the next thing we do in worship after praising God is to confess our sins through the prayer of confession. We admit that we are broken and unclean and that we've made a mess of so many things in our lives just like I had done with my mom's car. It is only then that we are truly able to hear the good news of God's mercy and forgiveness which we are immediately reminded of in the assurance of pardon. In Jesus Christ, God has entered into this world, absorbed our sins, and forgiven us even before we come to him in confession. But in telling the truth, we are set free from the burden of guilt and the delusion of self-righteousness so that there is nothing standing in the way of our hearing God's word of grace. Rather than getting what we deserve, we receive forgiveness and compassion and steadfast love instead. Benefits indeed. It was kind of like when my mom looked at the dent in the car and said, oh, it's, it's hardly noticeable. Don't worry about it. No need to tell your dad. Thanks, Mom. Notice in our psalm, after telling his soul to bless the Lord, David, who was all too familiar with his own sinfulness, immediately reminds us that we worship a God who forgives and redeems and heals and saves, a God who is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, who does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. No, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. We don't have to be burdened anymore by all the mistakes we've made in life. Jesus has taken that burden away and nailed it to the cross so that we might live with freedom and joy and purpose, knowing that we have a heavenly Father who loves us no matter what. This, of course, is the purpose of the scripture reading and the sermon to proclaim this good news that in Jesus Christ we have been forgiven and saved and adopted and blessed. But good news such as this demands a response. That's what the offering is all about. Our opportunity to respond in gratitude to the grace and the bounty of God by giving back to God a portion of what he has given to us. It's also how we respond to Christ's call to participate in his saving work in this world as we are reminded that we are but stewards of the gifts of God, blessed so that we might become a blessing. But the giving of ourselves in the offering plate is only the beginning of our faithful response, just as what we do here on Sunday mornings is only the beginning of our act of worship. 
It's not checking off a box to say that our task of worship is now complete for the week like I used to think as a kid. No, it's reminding us what the rest of our week is supposed to be all about. And whenever I meet with engaged couples, I usually explain to them that the wedding is not the end of the process. It's just the beginning. What they say and do in that ceremony is simply setting the stage and the pattern for all the days to follow. Likewise, our Sunday morning service is not the end of our act of worship. It is what sets the pattern and the purpose for all the other days of the week. We gather Sunday after Sunday to praise God, to receive God's forgiveness, and to be reminded of the good news of God's grace in Jesus Christ so that we can then be sent out to be a blessing, a conduit of God's grace to those around us. It's what some have referred to as the liturgy after the liturgy. Remember, liturgy means the work of the people. And it is as each one of us faithfully responds to God's call after our worship service is finished that we most profoundly glorify and bless the Lord. Notice the way our psalm comes to a close. It began with bless the Lord and it ends with bless the Lord. But whereas at the beginning, the blessing was connected to an awareness of God's grace and love and mercy, at the end, it flows from an obedient response. Bless the Lord, all you angels who do his bidding and who are obedient to his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts and ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion, wherever God's will is done, whenever we respond to God's grace with obedience to his commands, we bless the Lord. And God's will for each of our lives is that by our obedience, every one of us might become a blessing of grace to others in the name of Jesus Christ. And maybe in this strange time of social distancing, it, it might be making some phone calls or sending some notes of encouragement to some people who could really use it or, or just to let them know that someone is thinking about them. You know, maybe it's providing food or, or money or other supplies for people who have no job right now. Or maybe it's checking in on a widow or widower in your neighborhood to make sure they're doing okay. Maybe it's doing a little extra at work and not expecting anything in return. Or maybe it's being generous with the financial resources that God has given you to ensure that the ministry of Jesus Christ continues in and through this church, this community, and around the world. The opportunities to bless are endless if you're paying attention. 
For whenever we forgive or show kindness or give generously to others, our actions become a witness of praise, a blessing to the God of grace revealed in Jesus Christ. A few weeks ago, a woman showed up at my door looking for some help. She had been evicted from her apartment because she had lost her job and her new job hadn't started yet. So she was staying at a friend's house with her daughter and baby granddaughter. She was hoping for some gas money so she could get to her new job and and maybe buy some food and diapers. Now, some of you may not be aware of this, but our church has a pastor's discretionary fund that is supported entirely by donations from some of our members. With that fund, we pastors have helped many, many people over the years with things like bills or rent or food or gas or other things that might be needed. And therefore, because of the generosity of some of our members, This church has been able to be an incredible blessing to so many people in our community and city, as well as members of our own church family who were in need. And during this difficult time in our world and our society, when so many people have so many needs, we are probably going to go through what is left in that fund pretty quickly. So if anyone would like to help us with that discretionary fund so that we can continue to be a blessing to more people in our church and in our community throughout this coronavirus pandemic, just send a check to the church with discretionary fund written in the memo line. That way you can become a blessing to many people. So anyway, here at my door was a family in need. So I got into my car and drove over with them to the BP station on 65, and I filled up this woman's gas tank. But then I also decided to drive over to Giant Eagle, go inside and get a gift card so that they could buy some food and other supplies as a gift from God through our church. When I brought the card out to the woman and her daughter who were in their car waiting, they started crying. And they said, thank you so much. We just feel so blessed. Well, there it is. We who have received so much from our Heavenly Father have been given the calling and the responsibility to become a blessing to others by giving of our time and our talents and our resources to demonstrate to this broken world what the kingdom of Jesus Christ is all about. It doesn't matter who you are or where you live or what you do. By the grace of God, you have been given the power to bless, 
because you are a conduit of God's grace and you can make a difference even in the midst of a pandemic because that is who you are and it is who we are. And all the angels and hosts of heaven are waiting with great anticipation to discover all the ways that Swickley Presbyterian Church is going to bless the Lord through persistent lives of obedience and generosity and worship. Not just on Sunday mornings, but every day of the year, regardless of our circumstances. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.